HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. This week on Meet and 3, we look at the ways indoor and outdoor spaces are being reconceptualized during the pandemic to better suit new modes of living, working, and eating. It's brought a vibrancy and an energy back to the city streets that were so dearly missed during the height of the pandemic. This is about how we can grow indoors all year round uh, using proprietary technology that we've developed. How do I have someone understand, look, don't take a next to the June berries because you can eat those. That's free food. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, welcome to Japan Eats. I'm your host, Akiko Tehma, a food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day in the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi ramen izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my co-guests. And my guest today is Tomo Kisaichi, who is the owner, grower, and winemaker of the Maboroshi Vineyard in Sonoma, California. Tomo is courageous. Without any background of winemaking, he went to France to study wine at one of the most uh, greatest Burgundian wineries in Jibri Chandel town, and eventually in 1999, he opened the Maboroshi Vineyard with his wife and business partner, Rebecca. Tom practices the biodynamic agricultural method in his vineyard. His wine reflects the pure and lively flavors of the soil, and that is why wine lovers taste his wine. So today we'll discuss why Tom got into how Tom got into wine, how he started his career in wine without any background, Tom, uh, why biodynamic methods are important in making great wine, and Japanese wine pioneer Nisonoma in the early 20th centuries. By the way, that person was a former samurai, and much, much more. But before we start, Japan Needs is available on Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So if you haven't, please go to iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify and subscribe to Japan Needs. And please write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now, let's start a conversation with Tom Kisaichi. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. Okay. So, Hi, how, are uh, how are you? Good. We're good, but... Uh, 
how are you doing? Because your area in Solomon, California has been danger due to the wildfire. So everything's okay now? Yeah, it's a slowdown, but still we have a lot of, how to say, fire warnings. So until we have a rain, we have to be cautious about the fire. So, okay. Right. Well, good luck with that. So, first of all, where are you from and what did you eat when you grew up? Okay, I'm from Osaka, Japan, and I eat everything except for natto. I don't like natto, but I like to eat all the, you know, Osaka is very famous for the good food. Okonomiyaki, takoyaki, yakisoba, something like that. Right, yeah, Osaka is really the center of food culture, people say, and it's casual. Yet very um, approachable and uh, less expensive compared to the next door Kyoto. So yeah, you are lucky that you grew up in Osaka. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so how did you get into wine? Yeah, um, that that's uh, you know a kind of a difficult question. Just uh, I like wine, so <laughs> I wanted to make wine. <laughs> Right. Yeah, people. Oh yeah. Not not big motivation or something. Just I like wine. But I heard an episode that you were born into the family of a liquor store, and then you happened to taste Albatache, which is one of the best Burgundy wines, and you really decided to pursue carrying wine. Yeah, um, long time ago, um, one uh, wine magazine came here to interview me, and uh, the writer asked me, uh, "What wine? What wine <laughs> uh, impressed me?" And I said, uh, ah, "Ratash." <laughs> okay, right. Yeah. I'm sure there are like million other good wines that mm-hmm. you got to know, mm-hmm. right? Um, but then you, in 1991, you went to France to study wine and worked right. at uh, Domaine um, Amon Rousseau in Gibraltar, which is the home of the greatest French wine. So how did you get the job there? Yeah, um, it, it's a long story. Um, at that time, you know, uh, it's very difficult to get the uh, business visa, uh, working visa. And uh, I got a student visa at uh, University of Bourgogne in Dijon. Mm. And uh, at that time, I had a connection uh, with a salesperson of the winery uh, in New San Giorgio. Mm. So I asked him to uh, take care of me at the winery. And uh, I went to there. And uh, you know, um, as soon as uh, <clears throat> I arrived at Dijon, I went to uh, the winery. Uh, I can't mm. tell the winery name now. Okay. Anyway, anyway um, so <clears throat> at the winery, they said, what are you doing here? They don't know. <laughs> no, they don't know I'm coming to 
study wow. uh, winemaking. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And uh, so, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I cannot go back to Japan. And, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. If I go back to Japan, everybody laughs at me. Right. <laughs> yeah, because I heard you were with your wife and uh, your three-year uh, daughter, too. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm. So. And uh, oh yeah, I know everybody called me a loser or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and uh, so uh, I uh, I asked my so French teacher at the university uh, mm. write a letter in French. Now uh, why I can uh, come to France and uh, what I going to do in French. So uh, I carried that letter and knock on the uh, Ichi winery. And mm. the third winery or post winery, uh, that's uh, Domaine Armaruso. Wow. Charles so, uh, Russo is the owner. And he said, okay, uh, you, you can work here. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, for, uh, fortunately, his wife has a Japanese friend. and. Uh, they like Japanese culture. So I, I was lucky, kind of. Mm. Oh, wow. Oh, that's such a great coincidence. And uh, I think it turned out to be, uh, you got lucky to be able to work at uh, such a great winery. Yeah, uh, it, it's very nice. But, uh, you know, um, uh, first winery I visited is uh, Romane Conti. Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. Mm. So, but then have, but it's okay. I think it sounds like it's really amazing place. But, but what was the biggest challenge that you faced while you're working at the domain uh, Amoruso? Yeah. Um. Um. How, how do you say? So, I thought wine making is uh, work in the cellar, but uh, always he took me to the vineyard. So. I have to uh, uh, take care of the vines every day, every day, outside, mm. uh, outside work, not uh, inside work. I thought uh, I, I can taste the wine every day or something like that, but it never happened. Always being at work. And, uh, you know, weather is not nice over there. California is very nice, but uh, over there, is, it was very cold in winter. And, uh, that's a that's a very depressed. Mm. <laughs> and, also, and also, I couldn't speak French at that time, right? Mm. Right. So basically, you became a farmer, right? Instead of wine, selling winery in the winery. So, but what's the? I mean, everybody says now, what real wines made in vineyards? Is that what you learned? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I learned. The, so um, I, I can say uh, good grapes makes a good wine. The bad grapes makes a bad wine. So grape is very important. Mm. Right. Okay. What I learned. Mm. Right. Well, that's really, I think France is really one of the most advanced countries in terms of um, your very natural and sustainable farming practice. So I think you went there at the right time to to get to know 
what is happening. Um, yeah, so, uh, but you moved to California in 1992. So why did you move to California? Um, uh, so it was very, very cold over there. <laughs> 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 and uh, weather is not nice. And uh, at that time, 30, almost, almost 30 years ago, right? Uh, that, that generation, they are not nice to the uh, foreign people. Mm. So uh, they are very snob and uh, they never speak English. And uh, so, and uh, my wife also, she doesn't like uh, French people. So we moved to California. Mm. Right. <laughs> okay. That's a good choice. And, uh, yeah. And uh, another big reason. And uh, um, property, uh, so vineyard value, so in France, uh, 200 times more expensive than the California. So oh, wow. it's impossible to buy you know, some vineyard. Mm. For me. Mm. Right, because each uh, piece of land is already graded, so they have a set price depending on how much great wines they produced in the region in Burgundy, right? So sounds like it's impossible to appease. Um, okay, and then you, um, yeah, you chose Sonoma, not, not in Napa yeah. Valley, right? So um, why is that? Yeah, um... When we came here, we looked around uh, Napa Sonoma for almost three years, and uh, I liked the Pinot Noir. Uh, and uh, Russian River or Canaris area, we, uh, we are looking for the vineyard. But uh, you know, Sonoma is uh, more like a, like a, so country, you know, Burgundian style. Village, you can see. Mm. Napa, Napa is a very like a Bordeaux style and uh, uh, very business like uh, atmosphere. So I don't like uh, Napa area. Mm. Right. Right. So, mm. I mean, personally, I've been to Sonoma. It's almost impossible to believe that the Napa and Sonoma are really next to each other because they have totally different. Um, culture. Napa is more like bigger corporate based uh, wineries and the Sonoma is smaller, I believe. Yes. Right. And uh, yeah, like I said, uh, and Sonoma is really suited, especially where you are, that's the Washington River Valley, um, is known for uh, good climate for Pinot Noir, right? Right. Pinot Noir and uh, Chardonnay. Mm, right. Mm. That's really deep, Burgundian wine grapes right. yeah and uh you know the the movie the sideways that's the pinot noir that's very uh, sensitive and difficult wine to grow but you can grow a good uh, pinot noir in sonoma yes so and uh so do you uh, you know the culturally speaking do you find california uh more kind of interesting to you than you know, we're really, we're really well-established French Burgundian wine culture as a winery owner? Uh, 
I don't know. Um, the Burgonia and the California is um, much different. You know, um, uh, Burgonia, they make uh, wine by like uh, experience. The California is, uh, you know, is uh, the technique, techni mm. technical, so machinery stuff. Mm. And, uh, actually, so I don't like uh, so California way. Mm. I like uh, so like uh, experience way. So experience or traditional way. Right. Like Japanese sake making, it's more about the human mm. elements really affects the taste of the drink. That's uh, the style. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Right. Um, and then how did you study wine though? I mean, you spent one year in uh, Burgundy and you moved to California. So after that, how did you uh, study winemaking technically? Yeah, uh, at first uh, I went to the UC Davis, that, uh, you know, two academic over there, and the professor told me to, uh, to work at the winery, and uh, so I, I can learn the more practic practical stuff in the winery. So I started, mm -hmm. uh, start, uh, start, uh, <coughs> uh, set work, and uh, love work, and uh, I become an enologist winemaker. Mm, right. I mean, by the way, the listeners who are not familiar with uh, US, UC Davis, that's the Harvard of wine study. So you went to the best way to study mm. wine. Um, okay, but and then... Um, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the classmate, <laughs> at UC Davis, they know the wine about the dead wine or white wine. They don't know about the, so, you know, I uh, actually, um, I came to the California. Uh, I was, uh, I studied the Jubilee Chambertan. So they don't know the Jubilee Chambertan. Oh. So, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Wow. Uh, you know, uh, they, they are just students and uh, how do you say so Actually, wine level is not, uh, not uh, good. They know mm. the chemical stuff or those stuff, but... Uh, right. Well, it's mm. kind of refreshing, right? Because I, I happen to study wine personally because mm. I like wine, but... And, you know, if you don't intensely, intensively study wine, you, you have no idea just what is Burgundy, what's the grape, and who cares, basically. And uh, yeah. the California attitude is, well, if it's good, you drink it and you enjoy it. That's really refreshing. And I think, you know, you mentioned uh, really expensive land price in Burgundy because of that traditional mind. And this is a history. It's proven you drink it because it has to be good. And that's why Burgundian wine tend to be very expensive for an ordinary public. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I kind of like that approach of California too. Yeah, that's right. Mm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, French people are very smart, and uh, you know, uh, the wine has a, like a story or a, 
ex, extra barrier. So mm. more expensive. But uh, California is a new land, so they don't have a much story. So just taste, just taste of uh, wine taste. Right. Okay. And uh, I just, because you are in Sonoma, and I, I really have to mention um, uh, Kanae Nagasawa. I think you're familiar mm -hmm. with uh, this Japanese gentleman who um, who was one of the first persons who have succeeded in the wine business in California. And uh, yeah, so maybe you can tell us about him. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, yeah, about about. Uh... Yeah, so who was that? Uh, yeah, Kanae Nagasawa, and what did he do? Yeah, about uh, uh, he, he's a son, uh, he's a samurai, right? Uh, from uh, Kagoshima, uh, Satsuma. Uh, 150 years ago, he went to France to study, and uh, several year, years later, uh, he moved to New York. And joined the cult group, and the cult cult group moved to the Fountain Grove in Santa Rosa, uh, where uh, about ten miles from here, and they start making wine, Santa Rosa. Right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, uh, Nagasaki and I took over uh, winery, and uh, he started uh, his own business. Over there, and mm. uh, he he is uh, he, a very talented uh, winemaker, and also talented uh, uh, talented uh, by economy economy. Mm. Mm. Right, and what I heard also is that he went to study abroad with the Japanese government mission when he was thirteen years old, and then mm -hmm. I think he happened to stumble onto that cult religious organization, not because he was really into that cult, um, you know, minded person, but because of his situation, he had to rely on somebody. And then uh, the other members left, but he decided to stay. And I also know that he went to uh, uni uh, the Cornell University to study, and uh, he decided to live in this country forever. And then he went to California. So he's, he's a quite a story. And uh, yeah, what I heard also is that uh, he his wine, California wine, was the first wine that was exported to England from California. So he made it a history. And um, yeah, and I think uh, he's uh, it's Paradise Beach Winery nearby. Mm -hmm. Your winery, yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. He that used to be his winery, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh... Do you know the inside inside story? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, he uh, he has no kid, right? Uh, he never oh. married, so he doesn't have a child. So uh, uh, he asked his nephew and niece come to California from Kagoshima. Uh, mm. To inherit his property, mm. uh, but uh, you know at that time uh, there is a bad law. Uh, California 
California alien land law or something like that, mm. which is uh, which prohibit uh, Asian people uh, own the land. Wow. Uh, so uh, nephew and niece uh, could not uh, heritage his property. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, at uh, he, I think uh, when he passed away, uh, he said, uh, "I would be back." Mm. Do you know so, what I mean? No. <laughs> <laughs> that that uh, his car started. Oh. Car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And 30 years later, uh, there's a big fire in Santa Rosa. And oh. Then, oh! And then 50 years later, big fire and the Paradise Ridge Vinyl is burned. Do you know that? Wow! <laughs> so there's a curse we really wanted <laughs> yeah. to do. And wow! The, and the, there is a small museum uh, in the basement of Paradise Ridge. Uh, and uh, all the so Nagasawa Kanai's uh, kimono or uh, sword mm. and it are something all burnt out. So uh, I thought uh, the cast was completed, finished. Right. But uh, no, one, one, one week later, uh, they found the sword. So cast still continued. Mm, wow. <laughs> right. See what happens. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, Mr. Kanae Nagasawa, former samurai, who made a great story in California and wine history. And I heard in 1983, when uh, the President Reagan went to Japan, he mentioned um, Nagasawa's name. And then that was how he got finally recognized. So maybe that can ease up a little bit of curse, but who knows? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so no, that, that's what I made up. Okay, that's what I made up. <laughs> um, my my story. I'm going to write a book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, let me know when it's ready. Yeah, we're gonna talk about the book. Um. So, so why did you name your vineyard Maboroshi? Oh, oh, uh, this one. Um, yeah. Uh, so 1991. Uh, I told uh, my parents and my friends uh, I will go to the France and uh, I, I want to study winemaking. At that time, uh, uh, one of my friends told me uh, that that's a, a dream, right? Uh, mm. For Maboroshi, Mab so don't go over there. Uh, because uh, I was already married and uh, I had a kid, uh, daughter. Mm. So I have to um, settle in Japan, but uh, I did, right. and uh, yeah, right. And, uh, so ma ma maboroshi come true. Mm. So, yeah, I mean maboroshi can be in Japanese. It can be like well, dream or something like um, very uh, whimsical dream, something like you know, like a very um, elusive dream that you can't probably get. So that's interesting. Yeah. You actually you tried to name the winery with a dream. Yeah, um, so, uh, so I explained to the American people, so impossible dream come true. Right. <laughs> and you made it. 
<laughs> right. So, um, yeah, by the way, so you both grow grapes, of course, because vineyards means everything, almost, for you in winemaking. And uh, make wine and your vineyard is certified organic and biodynamic. And most of us are familiar with organic, but what is biodynamic and what is it important to practice the biodynamic method to produce great wine? Um, but, uh, biodynamics is, uh, uh, how, how much do you know about biodynamics? <laughs> mm. Mm. Uh, so about a hundred years ago, uh, Rudolf Steiner, you know, the Steiner School. Mm. Well, Rudolf, uh, Rudolf Steiner is uh, like a philo philosopher. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, uh, he, uh, uh, so a hundred years ago, he worried about, uh, uh, how to say, uh, far farming stuff. Uh, farmer use lots of chemicals in the, uh, in the farm. So he warned, uh, don't use a chemical and, uh, uh, need to, <clears throat> so don't uh, destroy the, Natural circle, mm. uh, and uh, uh, he told the farmers, "Do this, do this, do this." And uh, there are two important things. Uh, the one is, uh, you know, uh, cow horn. Uh, put the cow manure in the cow horn, and uh, bury buried under the ground. Uh, in autumn and uh, six months later in spring uh, we uh, we dig out uh, a cow horn and uh, spread to the vineyard mm. Mm. right well this sounds mystical but i think basically you grow um, the natural bacteria kind of like incubate the bacteria in the cow horn because cows already have the bacteria put in it, and then the soil is naturally um, merged into that kind of, you know, as I said, ground of uh, growing the bacteria. So when it's ready in spring, there's so many good um, bacteria ready to grow more on the soil that may really fertilize the, the land, right? Is that the theory? Yeah, yeah. How do you know? I how <laughs> uh, <but, laughs> you usually people don't know about this. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I actually I I never understood that this idea of uh you know cow's horn thing. But you told yeah. me now that so hey, that makes sense because you know bacteria grows. It's explosive once it's really grown, like anything, any mold, right? So that really makes sense. Like you know when you make sake, coach grows on a hot uh, yeah. rice. The same idea to me. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. And the the only oh, that's a, called compost. Only thirty gram per one acre. So normal people they don't believe that works for the vineyard. Only mm. thirty gram. Uh, only just a handful of uh, one handful of some. Compost. Right. Wow, mm. right. But it's really important, right? But we, we take a probiotic for our gut microbiome. That's the same idea. You have to put the good 
bacteria on the soil so that um, the, the vines uh, the vines growing on top of it get the full benefit of that beneficial microbiome. And I think that really shows the taste of the soil. That's what, what people call terroir in France. And I, I think in the, especially in Europe, France and Italy, they are really keen on growing vines um, with the, the, biodynamic, the biodynamic methods. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and then you like the style of uh, Burgundian wine, but you make wine in Sonoma and your background is Japanese. So how do you incorporate these three elements in your winemaking philosophy? Um, so my wine, um, so winemaking philosophy, everybody asks me, but I don't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, just, just uh, you know, uh, I grow uh, good grapes, so uh, I always uh, maintain the some ground like a biodynamic way. Mm. And uh, so, so vines makes uh, uh, good grapes, and uh, good mm. grapes make uh, good wines. Right. And uh, mm. uh, everybody thinks uh, uh, wine making is difficult, but uh, wine making is very easy. I don't have to do anything. Just uh, mm. naturally, it still makes the wine. But uh, right. uh, but uh, um, young uh, winemakers, they think it's a technique. So they want to add their uh, lots of stuff. You know, mm. uh, in the winery, we have lots of uh, like uh, seasoning, cooking seasoning. They want to use those stuff. Right. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, well, I think you make it sounds like easy to make good wine and your wine is so popular. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so, so basically you take care of the, the vineyard and you try to um, enhance natural power like um, yeast to just work well. So you make the yeah. environment and then let them do what they do. Yeah, and uh, just, just uh, I'm watching the wine, don't go wrong way, you know. Mm. Uh, so just the main street, uh, they are going. Okay. Mm. All right. So, well, I have to taste your wine. <laughs> yeah, um, you should. Mm-hmm. Right. So, okay. So we'll take a quick break here. And then when we come back, we'll discuss what types of wines he produces and uh, the important role of um, uh, Tom's wife, Rebecca, in succeeding the business. So please stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. 
Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome back. You are listening to Spanish. I'm your host, Aki Katayama, and my guest today is Tomoki Saichi, who is the owner, grower, and winemaker of Maboroshi Vineyard in Sonoma, California. So what types of wine do you make, and uh, how do you describe the style of your wine? Um, <laughs> that's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, usually, so uh, people uh, people who uh, drink my wine, they said, uh, uh, always ask me. So my wine, uh, you, you can taste, uh, um, how to say, uh, ter- terroir, because mm-hmm. uh, uh, our ground is a little different from uh, other places. So, mm. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, and you make uh, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, mainly Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. So Pinot Noir and Chardonnay are both known for the, the grapes that really reflects uh, the types of the soil, climate, water, and everything. So that's I think that's exactly what you're saying earlier, that you let them express what they have from the soil, and that's the style. I think that's why people say it's earthy, terroir-driven wine, right? And you only make uh, uh, 150 cases a year? Uh, depends on the year. Um, uh, I have a contract with uh, another winery, so sometimes, uh, yeah, I make uh, 150 cases, and sometimes uh, around 800 cases. Okay. Right. But and your Maboroshi label, uh, as a Maboroshi vineyard, you make 150 cases, and sometimes work with other because you have a vineyard to sell mm-hmm. grapes from the vineyard right. to other wineries. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so your wife Rebecca is also a great business partner. So, mm-hmm. how do you meet each other, and uh, what is her role in the business? I heard she has uh, also a great experience working with the notable growers and winemakers. Right. How did you get this information? Oh, I do a lot of research. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, actually, study. Uh, Almost forty years ago, we met uh, in Osaka, yeah, at the disco. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and uh, thirty-six years ago, we married and uh, still together. Wow! But why is she in Japan when you met? Uh, she she likes the Japanese literature, like uh, Mishima Yukio or Kawabata Yasunari. So she mm. came to she came to Japan to study Japanese literature. Oh wow! Amazing, right? Mm. 
So, mm -hmm. and then, uh, so what does she do as a partner of the business at the winery? Yeah, she, she also uh, worked at uh, uh, another winery and uh, she had the uh, experience uh, uh, of uh, um, being at the management, uh, especially, do, do you know the Helen Tally? Mm -hmm. Oh, Tally of uh, Zimbabwe. Like, oh, that, that's a uh, bro bro brother. Right, so that's the sister. Uh, Mm. Yeah, sister. Uh, right. Very famous, Leden Detandiri winemaker. But anyway, uh, right. she, uh, two or three years, she, uh, Rebecca works under the Helen Tari. So she learned a lot of vineyard stuff. Mm. Right. So it's great that you can closely uh, work together and strong business partners, both are very experienced. So, yeah, and then, um, so I heard that you, you, so you said earlier that you sell grapes to other wineries, and uh, so who, who are the clients? Um, um, one is a Deloche winery, mm. and another one is a, a Dutch crossing winery. Okay. Actually, Deloche wineries uh, was owned by a French company, and oh. uh, a French winery in the Burgundy, and they um, operate uh, biodynamically in the France. And uh, oh. uh, they ask, asked us to do the biodynamically. Mm, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, mm. I like Deloge, but I didn't know they were owned by French people. <laughs> mm. Right. So, do you think uh, more Napa Valley uh, or the Sonoma and Napa winery is becoming more biodynamic now? No, I don't think so because uh, biodynamics, you have to work very, very hard. Mm. And, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, production is uh, not much different. Right, but you can use any uh, pesticides or any chemicals on the soil, right? No, uh, we, we don't use any chemicals. Right. right, so uh. right. So it must be really hard to, because just in case something happens with the climate, you just have to deal with it <laughs> without preventing yeah. anything, right? Okay, so, uh, so where can we buy your wine? Uh, actually, uh, directly we send it to the United States. Okay, within the US, so is it online? Online, yes. Okay. Uh, but it depends on the state, uh, different, so I'm not sure we can send to the. Uh, right, yes, uh, that's a problem always. <laughs> Alcohol <laughs> sales um, <laughs> between the states. Okay, so. The, yeah, your winery, it's uh, www.maboroshiwine.com. That's M-A-B-O-R-O-S-H-I wine.com, maboroshiwine.com, right? That's the online shop. Yes, yes. Okay, so uh, what are your plans? No, I want to retire. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to go to Mexico. Really? Yeah. So yeah, what? Uh, what, what I don't know. 
Yeah, yeah everyone wow. asked uh, after I retire, what do you want to do? So I, I always uh, tell them uh, mm. I want to go to Mexico and uh, I want to see uh, uh, young ladies on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> With Rebecca? <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, okay, so yeah, so uh, please keep me posted and I will definitely try to visit you when I next time I go to California. Uh, I don't know when I can fly again, but yeah, that'll be great to be able to visit you anyway. So hopefully I will see you there. Yeah, and uh, we have a uh, apartment, so you can stay our oh. apartment. Oh, yeah. thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Um. So all right. So uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining us today, Tom, and uh, good luck with the whole weather and wildfire stuff. And please stay safe. All right, thank you very much. Okay, so listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japanese at heritagevideonetwork.org or at kikokatema.com. Japan is a weekly program and always available at heritagevideonetwork.org as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer is Joseph Kleinchich, and thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Japan Needs is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization. Driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thank you for listening.